Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome to the Back to Basics series. In these short episodes, we'll be covering things like the language of commercial property, simple strategies, and a general context of investing in commercial real estate. Our regular Thursday episodes will continue to provide deeper topic discussions and guest interviews with commercial investors and commercial industry experts. Our hope is to both inspire and provide the tools to help you build a solid cash flowing commercial property portfolio. So let's dive in. Welcome back to the CBI podcast where we delve into the murky world of commercial property investing. In this episode as part of the Back to Basics series, I want to quickly explore the key characteristics including some of the advantages and disadvantages of using license agreements rather than leases from the point of view of the investor and operator. Now, licenses are continuing to gain popularity in the industry for their flexibility and some of the advantages for both landlords and customers. Back on episode 18, which seems like a long time ago, I talked about the key differences between leases and licenses to occupy, to give them their full name, And on episode 90, I spoke more about the advantages of using those licenses in a CMO property. Today, I'm going to begin by outlining the key elements you'd expect to see in a license agreement to give us some context so you know what to expect. And then we're going to share some of the advantages investors can then benefit from by opting to use them. From increased flexibility and less admin to the potential to test your market. But as with anything in life, there are also some potential downsides we need to talk about. And we'll delve into those disadvantages for landlords as well when they opt for using a property license. And that's including things like potentially a less stable income, maybe a slightly weaker legal position, and it can be slightly more challenging to raise finance or the number of finance options might be limited. So whether you're a seasoned landlord or just starting out in commercial property, this episode will give you some additional knowledge to make informed decisions around the use of commercial property licenses to occupy. So let's dive in. What are the key elements you can expect to find in a license to occupy? Well, firstly, it is a legal document and it grants permission to an individual or entity, which we're going to call the licensee, to use or occupy a property owned by the licensor which should be you or I, right? The terms and conditions will vary depending on the agreements that different landlords use. However, there's some key characteristics that really you should find in most licenses. So I'm just gonna cover some of those. So specifics around what is the license granting? The agreement should clearly state that the licensor grants the licensee a license to occupy the property or a specific area of the property for a particular purpose. It's just the definitions there about what the license is granting. And then of course there should be a property description in there. It should highlight the area of the property being licensed, including its address and specific areas or facilities included in the license. And licenses to occupy are not exclusive to commercial property, so the agreement should state the purpose of the license. For example, it could be 
to carry out commercial reasons, like carry out day-to-day -day administrative activities, S something along those lines. It depends on what type of space you're renting out. And then, of course, there's the license fee consideration, i.e. how much are we actually going to be charging? It should be included. And it should state that the license fee, as it's called, or consideration, other people will call it, that the license is required, the licensee, sorry, is required to pay in exchange for using or occupying that space. And we should see the start and end date in there too. And I might have a clause about the notice period or rollover. For instance, we tend to do a 12-month license initial period and then a three-month notice period thereafter, which is just rolling. You could renegotiate and do another license, of course. And then within all these um, terms and conditions, you'll find rights and restrictions. So the agreement should specify the rights granted to the licensee, including any access that they have to particular areas, times they can get in, all that sort of stuff, but also restrictions. Some of the prohibited activities, some of the noise restrictions you might want to put in there. And of course, if there is a reduction in operating hours that you want to put in there too, if it's not 24-hour access. The next one's quite a big one, it's maintenance and repairs. Details need to be put in there about who's responsible for the relevant obligation under that and how those costs will be handled. Very often though, under licenses, that is more over towards the landlord rather than the licensee, but of course, that's reflected in the price. And then you need something in there about default or termination of the contract. So this should outline the conditions under which either party can terminate the license. It might be under things like non-payment of fees, breaking of terms, or details of what happens next need to be in there too at the end of that contract term. And as I say, it could be that there's a rolling notice period of three months at the end of that. You've got to see some information in there about how this thing comes to an end. And then, of course, as with all these contracts, there'll be a reflection on what the governing law should be in terms of whether there's any disagreements or disputes what is the country, what's the governing law that actually applies to this license. Right, okay, that's over with that stuff. So, that gives you a flavour of what to expect, and I'm not suggesting that you take this lesson, you should go away and create your own agreement. <laughs> you really need to seek proper advice. But my purpose of this was to just give you some context of a license agreement if you haven't seen one before. Now let's jump into the advantages and disadvantages for you or I as investors. And I'll actually go through the advantages and disadvantages for our customers and why they'd be happy to use them on a future episode. So right now, some advantages of using a license to occupy for ourselves as property investors. So they're much quicker to implement than leases. We are ready to check in new clients within 24 hours in our business, sometimes even shorter. We have a license in place and systems in place to make that happen. Traditional leases can take just a little bit longer than 24 hours. <laughs> Unless you've got one there that you do not deviate from, the customer has no say in it and it's always used, then maybe. But there are some other legal requirements there that might make it take a little bit longer. The next thing is there's less cost. If the investor, you or I, are going to use this for multiple customers in the same location, just as I was saying there, if you have a license that's written out, it's not really going to change you can simply renew or create new ones all the time. And if it was lease agreement, then you might need a lawyer involved each time, which is going to increase your legal bills. And in our situation where we renew and create many new contracts every month, that would be a pretty high bill. So licenses help reduce that. Next thing is flexibility, which works both ways. 
A license agreement provides flexibility to the client, but also for us as landlords. And we can set the terms and conditions of the license agreement to suit our requirements. And, you know, we can modify, terminate the agreement within a reasonable time period, which is in the, in the agreement, if circumstances change. And they're often used by landlords to create some short-term income whilst we're waiting for maybe planning applications to go through or other elements of the building that we've got an idea or a design to use. But right now we need to get some income in and licenses can be really useful for that. Also it gives better access to the property. So as a landlord, if you've got licenses in place, it could allow you to retain access to certain areas where it's at least not so easily done. And it could be helpful if you've got an integrated property with multiple units and you need to get to different bits of kit or heating or something and periodically get in there, do inspections, do maintenance, all that sort of stuff. So that can really help give you better access using a license. And it's a great way to test the market. A license gives you as an investor a chance to test the market without a long-term commitment. If things don't quite go to plan, so you maybe let a space to someone, but you can't let any others or something happens, you don't need to wait nine years and nine months until the 10-year lease is finished. Because if you sign the lease, it's a big commitment, right? And as I've mentioned a few times before, a license and that flexible approach gives us an opportunity to work out market demand and adapt the property's offer to suit our findings when we're on the ground. And the last one I want to mention is particularly pertinent right now. And that is that licenses give you the ability to adjust the license fee on a regular basis compared to some fixed lease agreements. This can be really helpful in fluctuating markets where there's a lot of demand, for instance, or where costs change, which has happened a lot recently, right? So a license will allow you to adapt to that. Now let's quickly cover some of the disadvantages for us as owners of using these. It's really a bit of a yin and a yang. Some advantages are can also create challenges. For instance, a simple license agreement won't give you the same legal protection of a well-drafted lease, in particular around disputes and defaults. Landlord-tenant relationships are well-defined in law, and that's what kind of sits under a lease, whereas a license to occupy does not create a landlord-tenant relationship. It's a contract, but it's not a lease. So it does have different implications from a legal point of view, but we can mitigate that through the practices that we use. So for instance, we take two months deposit from clients. So if somebody isn't paying and they inadvertently activate the default button, <laughs> then we have some money there that covers any loss of rent. And we have some pretty robust monitoring systems to make sure that we don't go too far into arrears. There is a perception of a less guaranteed income stability. License agreements are typically shorter when compared to leases, which means that the income generated from the property will have less longevity because the licenses come up for renewal more quickly. And a license could terminate or they could renew the contract. And it just means you might have some periods of vacancy coming and going. It's certainly more hands-on. But I would say on the other side that with a lease, when you've got somebody in, it can last for a nice long time and you can sit back. But when somebody's moving out and they hand notice in, that's when it can become quite stressful. Whereas with licenses, a bit more regular and you have more ability to flex with what's going on in the market. And that leads me on to another. Some valuers and lenders see the lack of guaranteed income as a devaluation of the property. 
as they're providing a valuation based on the income that comes into the building, as well as the vacant possession value, kind of the underlying bricks and mortar, if you will. They're providing a valuation based on bricks and mortar, but also on the income. That's where we create value, isn't it? But if your income is based on short-term licenses, that can be a challenge for some finance lenders. Now, there are ways around that, and there are ways to mitigate its impact. And we have um, refinanced recently successfully with that model, but there's a few little tweaks you need to do to make it so that it's more attractive. But it's something to bear in mind as one of those. Let me ask you a question. Have you heard of SAS pensions? They're a fantastic tool for business owners to wrap a commercial property up in a tax-free bubble. SAS can work particularly well with the CMO strategy to generate money both inside and outside of your pension. It goes without saying, I'm not a SAS expert, but let me introduce you to someone that is. Bryn Walker has been advising on SAS pensions for many years and has been a long-term supporter of the CPI network. SAS and commercial property work incredibly well together, but there are many nuances and Bryn will make sure you don't stray from the right path. Look in the show notes for the partner link and book up a SaaS discovery call with Bryn. Disadvantages for us as owners. Now it's important for me to say that the specific advantages and disadvantages of a commercial property license can vary from agreement to agreement and the terms set out under each case. So we've built our own license, obviously with lawyers, but over a very long period of time. It is freely available to our mastermind members for those that are on our mastermind membership. Make sure you consult with a lawyer to get the right agreement set up for your requirements if you can't get access to ours. And once it's done, you shouldn't have to spend too much more on it. Although our customers are always teaching us ways to improve ours. <laughs> Even yesterday we were talking, in fact this morning, we were talking about a little tweak we maybe need to make just to make it just one little bit better. I hope this episode has shed some light on how and when to deploy licences. And as always, I'm not a lawyer or a professional, so all of this is coming from my own experience so far. I'm happy to chat about it if you want to reach out. And as I mentioned before, our license document is available for those in our Mastermind membership. Just one of the advantages of working more closely with us. As ever, details in the show notes. If you have any questions, comments or suggestions for topics you'd like us to cover, then please reach out to us through our website or the usual social media channels. Your feedback is really helpful to us. So thank you for tuning in to the Commercial Property Investor podcast. Until next time, get in the swim and have some fun. Hi there. I hope you're enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast. And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be a first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them.